What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you solo today to break down everything that you need to know from preseason week one. In this video, I'm going to break down all the takeaways from this weekend's game. It should help give you guys a leg up on your sheep league mates that aren't paying attention. I'm going to go game by game here and break down all the relevant things that happen. So if you enjoy videos like this, as always, leave a like, subscribe to the channel if you are new, and comment whatever you want down below. We really appreciate any and all comments, likes, and subscribe. They help us grow as a channel. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Okay, so Two games on Thursday. We're going to start with Thursday's games. Pats versus Giants. There wasn't much to showcase on the Patriots side. They pretty much rested everybody. But on the Giants side of things, we did see a couple things that we wanted to see. Number one, Saquon Barkley looked like he's healthy. He, um, you know, was out there running and cutting and, you know, running routes. And on just 12 snaps, he ran seven routes for the Giants. So it looks like Saquon Barkley's back on the field, back healthy. Not that we didn't already know that, but it's just nice to see it firsthand with Sterling Shepard on ice as well. We saw Wandale Robinson, the rookie second round pick out of Kentucky, have the first crack at the starting slot wide receiver role. Now, Kadarius Tony wasn't out there playing and Kenny Galladay is probably going to be the primary outside guy, him and Tony, but Wandale Robinson should have a chance to at least be on the field week one as a starting slot receiver for the Giants. Probably not going to be a, you know, 90% snap share guy, but should get, you know, 60, 70, 80% of the snaps at the beginning of the season. And this Giants offense actually looked a little bit fun too with Brian Dayball calling the shots. Didn't look as, you know, archaic as what we saw with Jason Garrett and company last year. So that was definitely good news for the Giants. On to the next game, which was Ravens versus Titans. There wasn't really anything to take away from the Baltimore Ravens side of things. Really the most interesting thing from the Ravens side of things is the fact that J.K. Dobbins did not play in this game. They pretty much rested everybody, but I'm going to need to see J.K. Dobbins play preseason games before I feel comfortable drafting the guy because even though he's passing physicals and he came off the pup list, I want to say I want to see him play either this week or next week to feel comfortable drafting this guy in round four, round five, round six, where he currently goes. Because, you know, if he's coming off of an injury and he's not able to get on the field until week one, I'm going to be hesitant to draft him. And in that area of the draft, I'm probably just going to pivot to a wide receiver. But on the Titans side of things, there was a couple big fantasy takeaways. Number one, first round wide receiver Traylon Burks was not getting the start. And this was despite Robert Woods and Nick Westbrook-Akine being off the field and, and getting the night off. So the fact that they didn't even start Traylon Burks without two of their starting wide receivers on the field. They started Des Fitzpatrick, who was a fourth rounder last year, Racy McMath, and then Kyle Phillips in the slot in um, you know three wide receiver sets. So this coaching staff is making Burks earn it, which should be no surprise to anybody because in A.J. Brown's rookie season, A.J. Brown didn't get uh, over 70% of the offensive snaps until week 10 of his rookie season. We're talking about A.J. Brown here, one of the best receivers in the league, and he was very good as a rookie too, and they didn't give him the job right away. I think Traylon Burks, um, he's a guy that I kind of like in the middle rounds, but at the same time, I think this is going to be a dude that ends up maybe on waiver wires by the midseason point because Traylon Burks is not a guy that I expect to be on the field out there in two wide receiver sets, even three wide receiver sets to begin the season right from the jump. Maybe I could be wrong. We'll see how the rest of the preseason plays out. But for the most part, Traylon Burks is a guy that I'm going to start to back away from 
who was a guy I was initially targeting, uh, you know, late in drafts because I thought, you know, the opportunity would be there. But I think this coaching staff is going to make him earn his snaps, and it's not looking like he's going to have anything given to him. And then uh, with Derrick Henry and uh, Dontrell Hilliard resting, we also saw Julius Chestnut get the start at running back instead of Hassan Haskins. So something to monitor there. If anybody was thinking of taking Hassan Haskins late in drafts as a handcuff to Derrick Henry, might be uh, something to monitor and see who actually the handcuff might be. So let's move on to Friday's games where we have the Falcons versus the Lions. DeAndre Swift was doing his thing. Amon Ross St. Brown was looking like the second coming of, you know, prime Jarvis Landry or early career Cooper Cup. I could give a rat's ass, to be honest, that Amon Ross St. Brown did it without Swift and Hawkinson on the field uh, last year. He, the bottom line is he did it, and he's a, he's a great player, and those other guys are good players as well. But this dude is going to lead the Lions in targets this year, and I think this guy could have a legitimate like 140, 150 target season. Jared Goff and him have a connection, and he's a great player. Also, I don't think this offense is going to be very bad either because they have a good line, good running back tandem. They have you know a good wide receiver with Amon Ross St. Brown. Chark's fine as well. Hawkinson's a good tight end. And Jamison Williams should return at some point during the season. So I think this offense is going to be pretty fun, going to be pretty good. And Amon Ross St. Brown is definitely a guy that I'm targeting everywhere in fantasy drafts right now. Jaguars versus Browns. There's not much on the Brown side of things outside of Deshaun Watson was on the field to shake it off the rust, trying to play some games. Didn't look very good, but that's understandable. He hadn't played football in like 20 months or something like that. Uh, the Jaguars is where the real takeaways came from. Um, Christian Kirk and LaVisca Chenault got the night off, which is interesting. But this Jags receiver core is is completely a mystery to me. We had Zay Jones, who actually looks pretty good. We have Marvin Jones, who led the team in targets last year. We have LaVisca Chenault, who's been a disappointment most of his career. And we have Christian Kirk, who's the new big signing. Christian Kirk's the one I'm most interested in. And I've been taking a lot of like late round shares in best ball of Marvin Jones. But I think I need to start you know, taking some stabs at Zay Jones as well, because I think he could have you know a bit of a role in this offense as well. But the real takeaway from the Jaguars was Travis Etienne, who... The guy that I had as RB1 in, in uh, 2021, ahead of Javante Williams and ahead of Najee Harris, he ran 11 routes on 22 snaps, 12 touches, three of them targets, and he looked like the real deal. He was making people miss, doing spin moves and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the DeAndre Swift trajectory that we want for Travis Etienne, it's very clear to me. He's going to be on a bad team this year, but he has his old college quarterback. He's going to be heavily involved in the passing game. James Robinson looks like he's starting to become healthy, but he's in that like J.K. Dobbins territory right now of health where, yeah, he's off the pup list, but he's not playing in preseason games. So I don't expect them to give him a huge, huge workload. And if they wanted to do that with James Robinson, I think what they would have done in this game was give Snoop Connor a bigger share of the snaps and they didn't really give him anything uh, Travis Etienne pretty much dominated the first team reps uh, the whole game. So that's something to be monitored for sure. Travis Etienne, one of the best fourth round running backs that you're going to get in fantasy drafts right now. Reminds me a lot of DeAndre Swift last year. So Cardinals versus Bengals, everyone got rested. But the only real takeaway from either team is that their top two backs are pretty much set in stone. Uh, Mixon and P. Ryan were rested, which means that P. Ryan's the handcuff to Mixon. And then James Conner and Darrell Williams were rested, which means that Darrell Williams is probably the handcuff to James Conner. I've been beating the drum for Darrell Williams as a great late round pick pretty much all summer uh, in best ball. I have a lot of shares of him and people don't really want to give him credit for how good he was on the Chiefs last year. He pretty much outplayed Clyde Edwards Lair. So I, I think he's a guy that's going to be a great, you know, 13, 14, 15th round pick for those of us that are running, you know, zero RBs and hero RBs and all that kind of stuff or people who just draft running backs late. I think Darrell Williams is a great value this year. I think he could have a, you know, a sneaky pass catching role. And if anything happens to James Conner, could have a full-fledged three-down workload. So uh, something to monitor with those guys. Eagles versus Jets. Obviously, the biggest takeaway in this game was Zach Wilson, uh, who went down with an injury. It looked awful at the time. I had a mini heart attack when it happened. But two to four weeks is a godsend, um, you know, bone burrs that he's dealing with. Four to six weeks seems like the worst-case scenario that I've seen on Twitter from, like, doctors and stuff. 
But the other thing that we got to keep in mind with Zach Wilson is that he is a young quarterback. So missing that development time is going to be crucial for him. So even when he comes back, maybe he starts out a little bit slow, which is definitely not ideal. But for the most part, good news all around for Zach Wilson and the injury that he suffered. Um, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and Braxton Berrios were the starting wide receivers when Zach Wilson was on the field. So it looks like, similar to the Titans, Garrett Wilson is going to have to earn his spot. This backfield is also something to, to monitor as well, and there, it looks like they're handling the backfield the same way that they're handling the wide receiver core. I know plenty of people are straight-up gassed about Brees Hall. They're so excited about him. He's uh, you know, a great fourth-round pick. He's got league-breaking upside. He was a great prospect, all this kind of stuff. But he's still a second-round rookie running back. He wasn't a first-round pick, and we saw this with Javante Williams last year, that it's no guarantee that he's going to get some huge lion's share of the workload right away. And, you know, Michael Carter's a solid player, too. He's going to be involved in the offense, and I'm going to pretty much let my league mates draft Brees Hall and buy him low later because I think he should probably be going more so in that fifth to sixth round area instead of the early fourth round where he's currently going. And I would rather have, you know, Akers, ETN, uh, Dobbins, assuming he's healthy, than a guy like Brees Hall because I, I don't think he's going to get a huge share of the workload right away. And I think it's going to take a couple weeks before then. And a fourth round pick is simply too high of draft capital for me to spend on that. I was cool doing it last year with Javante Williams around six, round seven, but it's a similar situation here. And you're, you're having to pay a couple more rounds of ADP on Brees Hall. So the Eagles on the other side of things, Looked like a well-oiled machine. Uh, Jalen Hurts had a rushing touchdown that was called back on a holding penalty. Uh, Miles Sanders did start the game, but Gainwell was not out there. Neither was Boston Scott. They were both inactive, so really nothing to take away from the Eagles' backfield. But for the most part, I really liked what I saw out of the Philadelphia Eagles. I, you guys know I'm really high on this offense. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard are huge, huge targets of mine in drafts right now. So I really, really like what I saw out of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, moving on to the next game, we had the 49ers versus the Green Bay Packers. Trey Lance, we, we saw the first real action of him. He had some ups and downs for sure, but he uncorked an absolute heat seeker to Danny Gray downfield for like a 70, 80 yard touchdown that led to some preseason victory laps from folks on Twitter. But the real takeaway for me in this game on the 49ers side of things was actually Trey Sermon getting all of the run with the ones in Elijah Mitchell's absence. And he's dealing with a hamstring injury. It sounds like Elijah Mitchell will not play at all in the preseason, which I'm pretty much never going to draft a guy coming into the season with a hamstring injury, especially at running back and especially knowing what Mitchell dealt with all of last year as far as injuries. Tyrion Davis-Price, who's the third-round rookie um, this year, wasn't given the number two job right away. And I think a lot of people assumed that he would. But Trey Sermon's looking like he's working a little bit harder, maybe matured a little bit in his first season in the NFL. So um, Trey Sermon's kind of interesting as like a 17th, 18th round best ball pick, maybe a dart throw in your home leagues. And same goes for like Jeff Wilson and TDP. So I think all four of these 49ers running backs are somewhat interesting in fantasy. And Elijah Mitchell is the most expensive option. The fact that I'm interested in all four guys makes me just out on Elijah Mitchell. So um, definitely something to monitor there. Not really much to take away on the Packers side of things, but uh, Romeo Dobbs looked pretty good. He had a, a long touchdown as well. It sounds like uh, Christian Watson and Robert Tunyon were, are coming back to practice. They were activated off the, the physically unable to perform list yesterday. So we might start hearing stuff about Christian Watson. Uh, we haven't really heard anything about him all offseason because he's been dealing with injury. So uh, definitely something to monitor with the Packers wide receiver core. In Saturday's games, we had the Packers versus Commanders as the first game that happened. There wasn't really much that happened on the Panther side of things outside of the fact that Baker Mayfield got the starting role right away. Um, and it looks like in the event of injury, Chuba Hubbard is going to be the primary ball carrier and De uh, Deontay Foreman will be the pass catching back in this offense. 
But there was a lot to unpack on the commander side of things. Number one, unlike Traylon Burks and unlike Garrett Wilson, there is absolutely no shortage of snaps for Jahan Dotson. The first round rookie wide receiver, 16th overall pick, Jahan Dotson outsnapped and ran more routes than Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin on the field with the first team. So he is clearly a starting wide receiver for this team. He's got every opportunity to pay off at his late round ADP, and he's going to be one of my biggest sleepers this year. Once I get to my sleepers video in you know, early September, I have no doubt in my mind Jahan Dotson will be, be uh, will be in that video. And number two was that Antonio Gibson, man, his ADP is going to absolutely free fall after what happened in this preseason game. He fumbled, which was an issue for him last year for most of the season. And the second he fumbled, Brian Robinson came in and pretty much did a way better job of the role that Antonio Gibson has in this offense. And I tweeted this out because I think it's totally a shit situation for Antonio Gibson. I think these three things are all true. Number one, Antonio Gibson is probably not being used the way he should be being used. Given his skill set at Memphis, he was a pony style, you know, wide receiver slash running back Debo type of guy. He's being used as like an inside the tackles banger first and second down guy, which is not his regular skill set. Number two, that role that they're using him in is probably better suited for Brian Robinson. And um, Antonio Gibson's probably not the greatest fit for that role. And number three, even though Antonio Gibson isn't the greatest fit for the early down role, he's probably not the best back on his team for the third down role either, because JD McKissick is probably a better pass catcher, slot flanker, pass protector than what Antonio Gibson uh, is for the commander. So he's kind of just like in no man's land in this backfield right now it's not that I don't think he's going to be the starting running back and the guy that should be going the highest in drafts I do but it, it's not ideal that the other guys behind him have like better skill sets for what they want to do in this offense so something to monitor with Gibson I would love if he got traded I don't know where he would go that would be better than where he's currently at but I do think where he's currently at is not using him to his fullest potential right now so um, we can move on to the next game which is Chiefs versus Bears there wasn't really a ton going on in this game but the Chiefs backfield was something to monitor um, because we've heard a lot about Isaiah Pacheco and you know Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and these guys. Pacheco and uh, McKinnon will be where I take my dart throws on this uh, on this offense in this backfield, because I don't believe in CEH. You guys know that. Um, I'll just take the cheapest option here, but CEH does still look like the leader in the clubhouse. On the Bears side of things, with David Montgomery out for this game, just not playing, getting the night off, uh, Khalil Herbert received every single snap with the first team. So we knew that he was Montgomery's handcuff already with some sneaky, maybe some standalone appeal as well, but it's definitely confirmed here. He is the clear 100% handcuff to uh, David Montgomery. I think he's one of the best values in drafts right now because I really don't see a huge difference between him and the other high-end handcuffs like Madison and, and those guys who go a little bit ahead of him right now. So uh, the Colts and Bills, next game that we have here, nothing really relevant came from the guys who played for the Bills. Um, the takeaways came from the guys who didn't play for me. Devin Singletary, for, for one, got the night off, and Zach Moss and James Cook both played. So it seems like Devin Singletary is the clear-cut number one back in this backfield, and he's kind of been forgotten about. He, Devin Singletary closed out the season last year with seven straight games of 70%-plus of the offensive snaps for this team, and he was like 90 100% in like five of those games. So for a guy who like never gets goal line work is why everybody hates Devin Singletary, because he's not going to get pass-catching work with James Cook there. He's not going to get goal line work with Josh Allen as the quarterback, but he had as many goal line carries last year, five, as Nick Chubb did, and he had more red zone touches, 45 to 42, than Nick Chubb did. So he might not get a huge share of uh, red zone work relative to the rest of the players in his backfield, including his quarterback, but because this offense is so good, he's still going to get a decent amount of red zone work when they do decide to use him in the red zone. And he got the night off Saturday, like I said, with Cook and Moss still playing. So he's not a guy that I love, 
But in the eighth, ninth, tenth round, I definitely think you could do worse. And those of you guys that are running, you know, hero RBs and zero RBs, I think he's a great ambiguous backfield target to go after because everybody's excited about the rookie James Cook. Everybody's forgetting about Devin Singletary. And I think he's going to have a role, especially early in the season when you need those, um, you know, zero RB guys to pay off early for you. Because as the season goes along, it gets easier and easier to find running backs. But at the beginning of the season, Singletary seems like a guy that can occupy a uh, RB slot for those of you guys running um, very fragile builds. And then Isaiah McKenzie is the other guy that I had the big takeaway about as well, because he didn't play in this game. He got the night off and Jamison Crowder did play. So it sounds like he is the leader in the clubhouse for the slot receiver role in this offense. And another guy that I think is a great late round sleeper in this offense as well. So we can move on to the Steelers versus Seahawks. The only two big takeaways were the two rookies. Uh, George Pickens lit the fuck out of Twitter. Everybody was super excited about him. He had a great toe-tapping uh, toe grab in the back of the end zone. I'm not adjusting my priors on George Pickens yet. You guys know I was not high on George Pickens. I thought he was one of the most overrated prospects in the draft, but he did look good. I'll give him that. He's a good late-round sleeper pick because he looked good, and he, he is uh, you know promising rookie with some upside, but I don't think he's a guy that I'm going to be raising a ton in my rankings. Uh, Kenneth Walker, on the Seahawks side of things, he spent time splitting time with um, with Travis Homer as the primary running back there with Rashad Penny not playing. I Kenneth Walker is kind of in the similar boat to Brees Hall. I just don't think he's going to get a huge workload early on in the season. And for that reason, I'm probably not going to be too, too in on him. Even though he's going later than Brees Hall, I don't think he's even worth that pick that he's going. I'd rather have Singletary. I'd rather have Cook. I'd rather have Ramondre. I'd rather have Madison. I'd rather have guys like that in that area of the draft. So uh, the Seahawks also rested, which was really weird. They rested Will Disley, who they extended this offseason and was one of the quietest extensions I've ever seen. And they didn't rest Noah Fant. So is Will Disley the starting tight end here? And if if so, I don't think we should really be drafting Noah Fant very, very high, uh, knowing that is the case. At least that's the way the Seahawks are looking at the situation. So we can't assume ratchet coaching here. We know that Noah Fant is a great athlete and a great player, but if the Seahawks think Will Disley is the better tight end, then they're going to play Will Disley more often than Noah Fant. And we're going to be disappointed with the late round pick that we spent on Noah Fant as well. So uh, Buccaneers versus Dolphins, like literally nothing happened. The, neither team played any starters. I suppose Rashad White was the only thing to look at in this game, but he seems a bit buried on the depth chart. Even though Leonard Fournette didn't play, Gio Bernard was the guy that got the second team snap. So um, not ideal for Rashad White. He's probably going to have a bit of an uphill climb in this backfield. Saints versus Texans, um, probably the biggest buzz of any of the rookies, uh, the late round guys was Damian Pierce this week. Uh, if you guys were following the channel in the off season, you guys know that I had Damian Pierce as my RB five in the class. I had him rated above Rashad Waite, above Brian Robinson, above some of the other guys that went ahead of him, Zamir White and stuff like that. I, I think he looked great in this game. I rewatched it. He's explosive. He he's elusive. And the big takeaway, obviously, is that he wasn't running with the first team, which is something that we need to see out of him. But we did see uh, John McClain, who's like the leading Houston Texans beat reporter. He tweeted out, if rookie Damian Pierce is not starting the first game against the Colts, the Texans are not putting their best lineup on the field. So he believes he's watched every single practice. He's also been covering the NFL since I was a fucking speck in my dad's nutsack. Like this guy's been around for a long ass time. And Damian Pierce to him is clearly the best running back on this team. So something to be uh, aware of no, going into the preseason game two and preseason game three, we want to see Damian Pierce get more run with the first team, because if he does, he could be a great late round sleeper running back that could hit. And he was a good prospect. Graham Barfield loved him in yards created. He just didn't get a lot of work in college. And that's, you know, a bad and a good thing because he, number one, he doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires, but number two, we don't know how well he can handle a full workload. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But I do really like what I saw out of Damian Pierce in this game. 
Chris Olave on the Saints side of things was another guy that we should have been paying attention to. He played all the snaps with the starters, but Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas got the night off. So I don't really know what to take away from that. We'll have to see what happens when they're all on the field. But either way, it's nice to know that he's at least the third receiver on this team right in line because we didn't see at least what we saw at a trail on Burks with Chris Olave. So Dallas versus Denver, again, not much to take away from this game. Both teams rested all their starters. The one thing that we can take away is that Denver did not rest Albert Okawebunam. They rested both running backs, both top wide receivers. And I'm telling you, like Albert O is not a guy that I'm excited about because his ceiling is like the third or fourth target on his team. And the Broncos also drafted another tight end who I think was a better prospect than Albert O anyway. And Greg Dolchich, who didn't play in this game with an injury. But I do think those two guys are going to eat into each other the way that Fant and Albert O did last year. And I don't think Albert O is going to be a guy that I'm too, too excited about drafting in the late rounds. I'd rather take shots on Cole Komet and Hunter Henry and some other guys there. Uh, Chargers versus Rams. Again, nothing really to take away from this game. Nobody played outside of uh, Isaiah Spiller, who we really need to move down our rankings because Josh Kelly and Larry Roundtree both played ahead of him as the second and third running back in this backfield. So um, number one, we need to, I think this is good news for Austin Eckler because I think a lot of people were uh, fading Austin Eckler a little bit with the expectation that Isaiah Spiller would come in and be like the goal line back of this team. But it's definitely good news for Eckler, who I have as my RB3 overall, that Isaiah Spiller is struggling to even win this number two job, let alone try and take targets and, and uh, touches away from Austin Eckler. So that is definitely uh, encouraging news for Austin Eckler. Isaiah Spiller needs to move down the rankings a little bit, I would say, because a lot of people have Isaiah Spiller as this guy that's going to eat into a huge workload for Austin Eckler, and I'm not too, too excited about it. So that is the end of the Sunday games. There was a game on Monday, but really nothing happened outside of, you know, Zamir White getting more touches, I, I guess, if you want to take a shot on him. That's fine. But for the most part, that is the end of the video. I hope you guys enjoyed this preseason takeaways from week one. Everything that you guys need to know to stay one step ahead of your league mates, one step ahead of what they're thinking so that you are making the most informed decisions possible. If you guys want to take some of this advice straight into action, get some exposure to some of the guys that I talked about today, promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit on underdogfantasy.com. By using our promo code, you get 100% back on whatever you put in. So if you put in 10 bucks, you'll get $20 on the site to play with. You get some practice for your home league drafts with sharp ADP with real money mock drafts, basically. And as a thank you for using our promo code, you'll also get both of our rankings for free, our dynasty and our redraft rankings manifestos totally for free. Going to be adding 2023 rankings uh, for the dynasty rankings manifesto for those of you guys that play dynasty as well. So something to uh, be aware of going forward. Um, but, so check out underdog fantasy promo code FSE. Like I said, if you want to get some practice, a ton of available uh, information on Patreon as well. For those of you guys that want some extra content, link is down below for that patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange. But with that being said, peace out and I'll talk to you soon.